welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 84, Cannibal Apocalypse, from 1980. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres, because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, as always, Hugh Lloyd, and we are talking on this episode... The John Saxon Italian exploitation cannibal movie, Cannibal Apocalypse from 1980. Now, before I introduce my wonderful special guest on this episode, let's check out the trailer. Barricaded in the flea market, taking pot shots at the cops outside. Okay, that's enough. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Please, please try to understand. Listen to me. While she was here, I, I had this urge to bite her. To bite her, you understand? Like Bukowski. back ladies and gentlemen and i am joined by my good friend the one the only mr darren hall darren how the devil are you sir i'm very good Hugh. how are you mate <laughs> i'm yeah i'm hanging on in there i am yeah. hanging on in there so if i you know i may go off on a few more tangents than usual but i'm highly medicated so well, um yeah let's see what comes out the other end no thanks for having me on again <laughs> oh no it's good to be back yeah and uh, we threatened to do a John Saxon movie. And um, out of the hundreds of credits that he's got, um, we settled on uh, 1980s Cannibal Apocalypse. 
Why not? Yes. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I've, I've dressed up for the occasion. Yeah. Um, so I've got my beige boots on, nice. my yellow trousers, my brown <laughs> turtleneck um, uh, shirt, and then a, a nice thick plaid check shirt over the top. So I'm, nice. I'm looking... I'm looking sweet for this podcast. Are you wearing the the very fetching beret that he had on at the beginning? Uh, yeah, <laughs> just just it's just a little bit too small. Yeah, um, but but it but it does cover up the ball patch. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yes, nice. But these are my very best. These are my Sunday best yellow trousers. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everyone's got a pair oh yeah of course it's, it's standard issue uh <laughs> here in wales um um yeah now we are talking cannibal apocalypse now i hadn't seen this film in donkey's years and obviously with the with the with a really sad passing of john saxon um of course we, you know it, I, I think it's important that we mark um such a, such a legend in sort of genre cinema. Um, however, I genuinely feel up Cannibal Apocalypse might not have been the one. <laughs> because um, on paper, and you know, and, I, and in all honesty, I really like this film as well. It, 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 there's a, there's a lot going for it, but uh, on paper, this film has got an incredible pedigree uh, in terms of Euro horror. I mean, it's directed by one of my favourites, uh, Antonio Margheriti who has done everything from the classic Hercules movies uh, to lots of war film, Italian war films, to Giallo, to... But he was well known for doing gothic horror. Um, and at the time, people felt he was kind of slumming it when he made this film. <laughs> um, but yes, it's, so he's directed it. Um, you've got... It stars John Saxon. Um, Elizabeth Turner, and then you get the great uh, Giovanni Lamberto uh, Radice, who is, again, you know, he was in Cannibal Ferox. Um, you know, he's a great, great Italian actor. I mean, even pops up in The Omen, um, which kind of which kind of shocked me. He's in The City of the Living Dead, uh, Stage Fright, uh, The Church, which is a, which is a great film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is quite an interesting one. And uh, yeah, just this was the first sorry, watch yeah. for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, with just because we was we were chatting about John Saxon, um, who we both really like, yeah. and given his pedigree and what he usually offers, it was kind of like any suggestion. I would have <laughs> thought it's going to be really good because John Saxon's in it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't I didn't bat an eyelid when you you know when you suggested <laughs> this film. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was it was it was surprising, but it's definitely um, it's definitely in there with those weird Italian horror type gore fest. Yes, that you start you start off watching, thinking, "What am I watching? You know what what is this?" And then you get halfway, two thirds of the way through, and you're hooked. And you get to the end and you're like, well, that film is awesome. Yes. And it's just, they all seem to do that to you. They start off so, they're so, they're so different than what you normally see. Yeah. But they're so special for that very reason. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, you know, and for those of you uh, joining in who are not familiar uh, with this, um, 
the Cannibal Apocalypse follows the stories of a, of a group of Vietnam vets um, who, following an incident uh, during their time in Vietnam, have come back with some kind of... It's never quite explained, really, is it? They've got some kind of virus that turns them into sort of psychotic cannibals. Um, so the back, the back of the VHS says that uh, two U.S. Marines held prisoner are forced into can- cannibalism to survive the long and brutal or- ordeal in, in captivity. Um, and then the cannibalism mutates into a contagious virus. Okay. So there you, there you, there you go. Um, so, and then obviously the contagion is spread by biting, I mm. guess. But it isn't explained in the film. Not in the slightest. Not in any way, shape, or form. Do not expect any of the plot points or the narrative to make any kind of sense in this. Um, Because you just got to go with it. You just just have to go with it and let it sort of... um, Let it wash over you, really. Because because it's really bloody entertaining. It's just got something. It's like I said. It's like many of those, the films of this type. It it's just got something. It's got that. It's got that whole Italian ripoff feel. Oh God, yeah. Uh, like Zombie Seventeen and all yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for some reason, if you do open your mind to it and just absorb it for what it is, I mean, there's no. These aren't huge budget things. These these are. You know, they're done on a bootstring, aren't they? Oh, God, but... yeah. I mean, there's a tiny, tiny... I mean, this is a really... One of the things about Antonio Margaretti is that he was known for being able to shoot with very, very little. And, like, one of the things that he would do is he would sh- set up multiple cameras. So he'd spend a lot of time lighting his films. So then he yeah. he would have multiple shots going on all at the same time, so you'd get Smart. you know he'd be shooting a, he'd be shooting like a, the sort of wide establishing shot, at the same time as he'd be shooting the close up, just yeah. so that he could have, just so he so he didn't have to you know save time. Very very clever. Um, yeah yeah, it's smart. But there are times where you can clearly th- you there are bits missing where you go, huh? Yeah, uh, it <laughs> jump it jumps a lot. Yes, and you are expected to just go with it. Um, and I mean, like from the very opening, where you where you see uh, John Saxon and his elite team um, yeah. appear in the in the jungle, um, you know straight away what kind of uh, what kind of film you, you're into because the second that woman falls into the uh, the cage where the two uh, POWs are being kept. Yeah. Um, and they uh, just sort of tear her clothes off and start eating her. Yeah, uh, just straight in. Straight... We're, we're, we're 10 minutes into the film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a naked woman, uh, well, semi-naked woman being eaten by two POWs. Yes. But, and just to backtrack, I've got a question about the, about the opening. Uh, the, Viet, the, the NAM footage that yes. we start off with. Is that the same footage from the start of the A-team? Do you know what? I think it might... It, it, do you know what? It could very well be. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I thought, is this, is, is this like a, a 
a dodgy DVD that I'm watching, and it's actually the 80s. It could very well be because the use of stock footage at the beginning is quite a, is quite a is quite a genius idea, really, to give that setting. Um, because the uniform that everybody's wearing um, and the equipment that they have is clearly not of the time period. Absolutely not, and the and the contrast between the the opening footage, which is grainy and actually in Vietnam, and yes. then you you flip somewhere else, and it looks like you're in another world. Yeah, because Oz. you are. Yeah, <laughs> and like the fact that they sort of, you know, there's clearly just you know they're supposedly in some kind of like, are they in like a village? Are they in a camp? Uh, it doesn't make any sense, but yet they're going to use a flamethrower and just annihilate everyone. And well, it was it was quality uh, flashback to films of this period. Yes, but that's a that's a full on flamethrower. That's not a prop. No, that's, no, 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 no. Yeah, there's <laughs> no. real there's real fire everywhere. <laughs> um, flamethrower, you know, targeting with a flamethrower, I'm sure, isn't an exact science. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure there is. I'm. I wonder if at some point anybody questioned um, whether or not using a real flamethrower may cause a few problems, because that guy is just throwing it around. Yeah. And they're in a pretty. They're in a pretty like they're in like a cave. It's quite an enclosed area. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and you've got bulletproof John Saxon. Oh God, yeah. Uh, just like. Laying down the bodies with his, uh, what is it, a Thompson? Yeah, it's a Thompson machine gun. My Tommy gun, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All he needed is the, the big round barrel at the end of it. Yeah, yeah and some custard pies. Yeah. <laughs> See, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been out of place though. We probably no, they, they, they would have found some like sort of waiters and ah, well, we can't afford blanks, but we got some custard pies left over. Maybe you can do some face melting with them or something. But it's just. Bonkers. It, yeah, absolutely. I think as well, before before we get too deep into the plot, should we just talk about some of the madness around John Saxon? Yeah, come on. Uh, uh, lay, uh, lay it on us. Lay, lay um, some information yeah. on us. So there's, there's so many stories around this and there's so many different ways to look at it. And the first one I'm going to... The first question I'm going to ask you, so John Saxon could be accused of... Dialing it in for this and being <laughs> being incredibly disinterested Could in the possibly. film. Possibly. Could. They, but they would I read, a re- I read a review um, from an American review from around the time that it was released. Um, and the, the reviewer in that piece commends Saxon for playing it so straight because it is such serious subject matter and he is struggling with his mental health and um, being the you know legendary actor that we all know and love yes he, he was he was playing it how he thought um, Hopper would you know would be feeling you know he's not a barrel of laughs he's not a barrel of uh, no he's not energy. he's not a laugh he's, riot. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's playing it straight. I fi- find that a stretch, but I enjoyed reading the review with that point of view. Yes. Um, but there are stories around uh, the fact he was going through 
a bitter divorce <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And he basically took this on on the understanding that it was just going to be shown in, you know, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. It, Italy, Spain. Um, and he, you know, happily take the paycheck to, you know, wow. puff up his coffers. Yes. Um, and it was well known in the time that the these um, film houses would try and get a big Hollywood name so yeah. that they could re- so that they could resell the film back to like America and the yeah. UK where where the big money comes in. So um, apparently, Saxon was told a very different story about this this film. Um, so the Italian name for this, um, which I'm not going to try and say, uh, <laughs> uh, translates as Apocalypse Tomorrow. <laughs> and it was sold to Saxon as kind of, this is a movie about PTSD and the effects of the Vietnam War and kind of like a follow-on to Apocalypse Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was only when he was filming that he got wind of what was actually going on, obviously, because he was, he was doing it, he was read the scripts, et cetera, et cetera. And then he was incredibly pissed off about the whole thing. Yeah. And that's, that's why he's kind of just hammy as hell and, and dialing it in. Um, there's also tales that the, the film, the actual film name, the, uh, Cannibal Apocalypse or Cannibals in the Streets or Flesh Hol- Hunters. That's my favorite. Flesh one. Hunters. Yeah. Um, they were they were added long after, and um, you know when the filming when the filming was done. So uh, Saxon has since kind of distanced himself from this film and said that he was like kind of conned into it. Yeah, I but, mean. Italian cinema is well known for for doing things like that. But watch it again. Watch it again. And keep in your mind that maybe he's trying to play this straight. Yeah. And there are are moments in it where you think, do you know what? Maybe. And it's just a a fun game to play when you watch this. I think think he's probably... I think there's probably all of that is true. Every single Mm. part of it. There's probably that he felt, oh, shit. I'm really, really, I really need to put some money in the bank. Um, I've been lied to. I've just realized I've been lied to. But actually, I'm going to do a really good job because I'm a professional. And then yeah. you get all these contrasting emotions <laughs> whilst he's there with some guy who's clearly visually impaired as well, brandishing a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> Surrounded by actors who I think it's fair to say their performances go from um, um, well, shit to <laughs> mental yeah. uh, in in the space of one scene because, um, you know, his wife, Elizabeth Turner, is terrible. Oh, the oh, scene where she wakes up after his nightmare. It's painful. Yeah. It's, it's just a diabolical... And I mean, like, the one guy who I do love in this film is um, uh, Ramerio uh, Oliveros, who plays the uh, the doctor, uh, Dr. Mendez. 
Oh yeah, Phil. Yeah, good old Phil, man. Doc, good old Doctor Phil. <laughs> yeah, don't don't look, don't look the other way. He'll steal your wife. Yeah, yeah. But some of his lines, like he when oh. she like picks him up, and he goes, "I was, I told you, you shouldn't have married him." Anyway, enough about that. It's like what? Yeah. What? Yeah, you... I, I know, I know. That down, he says. Anyway, speaking professionally. Yes. <laughs> speaking professionally. While I touch you up. It's just so... It's so bad. Bonkers. And I mean, then you've got like... um, You've got, obviously, you've got the legendary uh, Giovanni Lamberto Radice, who plays Bukowski. Um, And there are moments in this where he's brilliant. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. And then there are moments in this where you're just thinking, what is he doing? why, Why is he gurning? It makes no sense. The scene, the scene from the cinema. Yeah. So when he when he phones up John Saxon after he's um, been meddling with the teenager. Yes. He, um, <laughs> Which is a deeply uncomfortable scene. Yeah, yeah. We we'll skip over that one. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he, um, but from, so on the on the phone, he's it's terrible. He's like, "What do you mean?" You're gonna stand me up, and you're like, "Okay, like, mate." Oh, I, then, I know war is hell, guys, but how close did you get in that foxhole? <laughs> from the minute that he, um, from the minute he bolts out of the cinema yeah. and goes into the warehouse slash market, I yes. can't decide what it is. Um, it's brilliant. Slash armory. Yeah, yeah. I made a note. There's a there's a stall there that that sells knives, guns, and swords. With nobody, with just all left out. Yeah. Just all left out. Uh, you know, and then you've got the biker gang. Um, the, t- the tamest biker gang in the world. They are the worst. But I mean, the Sons of Anarchy would eat them alive. Because... One of the Sons of Anarchy would kill all of the six of them. Because <laughs> they're just, just ridiculous. And like their idea of terrorising the populace of is where they steal like is it like a some kind of like tennis ball from these two girls who are walking past their intimidation technique is to play catch yeah they play keep away yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know and then obviously they uh they decide that they're going to be the heroes and chase down bukowski um yeah. because obviously the most um reasonable uh, way of dealing with with in a situation like that is to chase somebody down on your motorbikes through buildings. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know. the, the steady machines you yeah. can't get knocked off them. Um... <laughs> yeah, no, no, go. And I'm going to drive it through this market slash shop slash warehouse slash armory. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, yeah, it's just it's a it's clearly when he's going back to the same the director can, you know, work on a shoestring. It's clearly just something that they could use, you know, yeah. probably, probably put the feelers out. Oh, there's this God knows what it is. Um, you can use that for free or something. And, the, and he's, just, and he's made it work. Cause that scene is really good. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like th- there are sort of, it, it is quite interesting because he does manage to get the sort of the best out of everything that he's got around him. Um, and like the the act, it's quite a tense scene. However, 
every man and his dog shows up to that hostage negotiation. Yeah. You know, John, yeah. John Saxon could be anyone. And he just goes, I knew him. I was his commanding officer. All right, you go and have a chat with him then. Yeah. The and then his wife shows up. Oh, the police chief is just amazing. And just the most deeply insensitive person um, in terms yeah. of his sort of, he really needs to go back and have some racial equality training. Um, because he's got a brilliant, yeah, go on. He's got a, he's got an absolutely brilliant line. So when um, Piskowski is singing, yeah, uh, the cop comes over to the to the chief and he says he's singing, and he and he says, "I'll tell you something else. He'll be singing through his arsehole when I get through yeah. there." <laughs> that had me rolling, man. <laughs> well, it's the fact that they, you know. The, the officer standing next to him with a shotgun uh, is clearly a black man. And he just lets off this slur of, like, racial tirade. Yeah. It's just like, you, you. I mean, I know we're in his 2020 now, and you go, you, you, it's, it was almost like one of those TV programs, you know, they, they did it in the 70s kind of style type thing, where you sort of look back and you go, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. But I did find myself going, he can't say that. Yeah, he, can, he yeah. can't say that, and he just did. And you know, yeah, fair play, fair play to that actor. He did not blink. Um, but besides that, that scene is very well shot. It's very well, you know, in parts, it's very well acted. Um, I didn't realize that you could put out tear gas by peeing on it. Yeah, just pee on it. Which, I love that pair. Which is, again, hey, may come in handy in these desperate times. Yeah, yeah we never know. Next time we want to go to Lidl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we get this, like... I mean, look, one of the things that does happen is that, obviously, you do get... A, whenever you watch any of these, there's a lot of ADR that's taken place. Um, so it's additional recording uh, with lots of the actors whose first language is not English, speaking Italian, yeah. and then it's dubbed in later and those kind of things. So lots of things do get kind of like um, lost in translation. I did pick up on that in this because it seems like Saxon, because we all know what John Saxon sounds like. Yes. Um, so he isn't dubbed. So he must have just been speaking English the whole way through this. Yes. Um, and they must have dubbed it back you know, in Italy and Spain and what have you. And then all the other actors must have been speaking Italian. Yes. And they're dubbed. So it it throws up such a contrast in the conversations because he's just like, he just sounds normal and he, and all the lip syncs and time and everything. And then yeah. whoever he's talking to, whoever he's talking to, sorry, is, um, is dubbed. So it's really, it's really jarring. Yeah. Yeah, but, but yeah. I guess you can't have John Saxon and then dub him, can you? No, and I mean the strange thing is he does speak Italian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does speak Italian. Um, and maybe he was really pissed off there. Yeah, and I'll tell you another thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could you imagine his face though when he re- you know when he realised they just bullshitted him into making this film? Yeah. That but, moment but... where you just think, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> not only has this got nothing to do with like apocalypse now um this doesn't make any sense 
Uh, the only consolation is I'm getting paid. So. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, it's like, do you know who I am? I'm John Saxon from yeah. Prisoners of the Lost Universe. Oh, it's a great film. Great film. It is. I've got to get it in. Yeah, it's a great film. Chris, you know, and what's his name? Uh, Richard Hatch is in it as well. Uh, so not only are you you getting Enter the Dragon meets Battlestar Galactica, what what, what more do you want? What there more? There is no. There is no more. It's like how that film did not win Oscars is 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 beyond me. I think Oscar winning performances. Yeah. <laughs> um, who's the other guy? The other um, Thompson. Yes. Uh, he is terrible. Yes. He's just like a a piece of wood. The, the the whole scene in the mental hospital where he's just sat there, like stood there, sorry, and, and Wiskowski comes in and it, and his eyes go a little bit wider. Yes. And that, you know, is supposed to mean something. He's hanging on the door. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> it's just... They're all wearing hats as well in that mental hospital. I don't know if you noticed that. They're yes, it's off. it's very very cold in there. They can't afford to put the <laughs> yeah. heating on. Um, but yeah, he's and it, like his performance, like because re- like one minute they see John Saxon and they want to kill him, and they want to eat him. Yeah, and then they realize one of us, and then everybody's yeah. cool, and they're working as like this cohesive unit. You know, just like, yeah, yeah, which is like what. Hang on, this, this, you know, can they sense that he's got the virus? It, you know, that was that was like the oddest thing, wasn't it? Because it was just like you think that he's gonna he's gonna get attacked, yeah. And then, and then they all kind of just like look at each other a little bit, and then it's like, oh no, you've got the virus. Yes, yeah, and, and everything's fine. Everything's but, but okay. What, what they should have done is then give him a, given him a woolly hat. <laughs> Nice, like deer stalker. Yeah, join the club. Yeah, because you know he's sort of like he he pulled off the berry at the beginning. I think you could. I think you could rock a deer stalker. Yeah, definitely. It's the Saxon. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I was when I was sort of reading about this, somebody sort of talks about the um, in there, and I think this the, the reviewer was being somewhat um kind to this but i can kind of see where they go the film does have a very very sort of almost like comic book vibe to it yeah i can see that it has this sort of there is this sort of and i know we're talking about a cannibal film here exaggerated sense to it um that sort of uh even you know the performances are massive the you know the violence is is it is, is is massive, but like the framing of the shots as well, um, are very you know look like they belong in a comic book, and I mean like yeah. some of them you sort of like when Saxon like at the beginning reaches down into the pit to like sort of yeah, help pull them out yeah. that 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 framing could quite easily be, um, a caption box, uh, you know, it'd be it, great adapted to a comic. Oh, absolutely, um. There's a there's an author, um, and I got one of his books. Um, uh, the author's called uh, Surav Dutt, and he did a very he wrote a book, um, something very about cannibal something. I can't remember the title of it, but it's it, again it's it's sort of very much in the same vein as this, um, 
and that has a great sort of um, like comic book cover. Um, but again, it it, it had the Cannibal Apocalypse does have that feel to it, and you get this sort of Saxon playing it very very straight to the point of almost not giving a shit to the yeah. total madness going on around him. You get this bizarre, uh, creepy subplot of him potentially having an affair um, with the teenage girl next door. You get this sort of uh, very, very awkward scene where you, th- you know, it's clear he's about to do something that he really shouldn't be doing with like this teenage girl, and then he ends up biting her. Um, yeah. And then she clearly has bitten or scratched her brother. Um, who is really creepy. Yeah. It's really yeah. creepy. And just what an aggressive aunt who's looking oh, after them. She's but it, just she's awful. Yeah, but she it's is. Awful. But she's so cliche with the rollers and the broom and the <laughs> dressing gown. It's like Nora Batty. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it's almost as if they've sort of like combined, you know, some kind of cannibal movie with Last of the Summer Wine just for this sort of um <laughs> Just for this moment. Um, I'd love to see a cannibal episode oh, of Last of Summer Sort of compo gets infected somehow. That'd uh, be awesome. You know, and you know, Foggy opens the door and you can see compo like eating Cleggy or something <laughs> like that. The fact that I know all the characters' names. Yeah, you're giving it away. Yeah. You know, and they're going down in the t- going down a hill in a tin bath with the other overflowing with blood. We're just... I think we've got a bestseller on our hands. I, I think so. I think so. If it, you know, copyrighted right here and now. Yeah. <laughs> Last of the summer plasma. Yes. <laughs> now, one of the things I did really like about this was the soundtrack. Yes, but it's not for this film. No, it's it's so out of place. It's untrue. Yes. Um, it's there's disco in there. Um, oh, it's like funky hip hop disco. <laughs> it's just so awesome. It's yeah. just it sounds fantastic, and it just you know. But the, I'll set the scene for anyone who hasn't seen this. So the the soldiers are searching for POWs, and and they're entering enemy ter- territory, and then an, a, a dog runs over. A cute little dog, and one of the soldiers kneels down and, hey, boy, gives him a little pat. And Saxon goes, get away from the dog. And then the dog has a collar made of C4. Boom. Dog blows up. Soldier blows up. He does a 720 spin. His leg comes off. Yes. And then, boom, boom, And the tunes kick in. And you're like, what just happened? Just waiting for the bass to drop. Is that... <laughs> so a man and a dog has just been blown to smithereens. And someone just like... <laughs> just unbelievable. But it, it's the music is fantastic, but it's so out of place. It's untrue. Yeah, it's... it. Yeah, there were moments in this where it reminded me, there's a Jackie Chan film. Um, it's one of his earlier films called The Magnificent Bodyguards. I haven't seen it. But oh, it sounds awesome. There's a great line in it. Where it, where it you must don't you must watch it dubbed. There's an amazing scene in it where a guy goes, "I am a tanner," um, and then proceeds to like skin somebody alive. 
<laughs> but there's a there's a moment in the film where they like they're walking through this like um they like supposed to be like the magnificent bodyguards are like protecting this like princess or something. But as they're walking through bandit country, the bandits appear on the mountainside and the Star Wars theme kicks in. <laughs> oh, awesome. I need to watch it now. It is and you, it is that moment where you go, What? Hang on. I what? And your brain can't quite compute it. I think oh. that's how they managed to get it through uh, without being sued. But this, the music in this, ha- <laughs> in Cannibal Apocalypse, has a very, very sort of similar feel to it. You know, you get these moments of, like, real gratuitous violence of people being eaten and ripped apart. And then you get boop a doop a doop boop <laughs> It is just, you know, and I mean, the scene... Uh, where Bukowski gets shot. Yeah. Now, not only does he get shot, he has a hole blown through him, which the camera then decides to sort of peer through to the Uh, other side. Yeah, it's it's great camera work, that, though. I love it. Yeah, but again, the disco in the background doesn't doesn't quite work somehow. I don't know how. I just the don't. music is so off, and it and it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not desperately trying to find the soundtrack so I can buy it because you, yeah. it's it's a piece of music that I definitely want. But there's also in in terms of music, there's a Spanish guitar that <laughs> shows up. It, you know, it sounds like the same Spanish guitar from Scrubs. Yes. Um, whenever they kill all the comedy and make it sad. Yeah. And um, the scene where he opens the fridge and for some reason he's just got meat dripping, blood. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't store my meat like that. I don't know if that's how you do it in Wales. Uh, no, uh, not, not but, the slightest. But unwrapped meat in your fridge dripping blood all over the shelf. Uh, I mean, we know his wife can't act, but she can't even put things in the fridge. <laughs> Well, it is the 70s. It is the 70s, yeah, I suppose. Uh, and um, so he, he's obviously um, he's struggling with his cannibalism. <laughs> and, um, right, repeat that sentence to yourself. Yeah, he is, he is. He, he knows that he's turning and, he's, he, and he doesn't want to and he's struggling and he sees this, these slabs of meat and he's, and he's thinking about biting into them and the music that accompanies this scene is a melodic little Spanish guitar. I mean, the producers for the, it is. It, I mean, interestingly enough, it is an Italian Spanish um, sort of production. So I wonder if that's their sort of their nod to their producers. They get a bit of sort of uh, yeah, a little bit of Spanish guitar in there. I love that he's struggling with his cannibalism. <laughs> oh, have you heard about Norman? Oh, bless him. Yeah, he's been struggling lately. Yeah, his cannibalism is terrible. <laughs> Took a chunk out of the postman last week. <laughs> Well, that's um, that's one of the things that struck me about this because surely, like um, a contagious virus that makes people want to eat flesh. Yeah. Like cannibalism is kind of a lifestyle choice, yeah. ra- rather than or like a mental health issue, rather than some like if like if it was like uh, you know rabid soldiers in the streets yes or yeah something like that because like rabies has like some cut you know it, it makes you want to bite stuff doesn't it yes um but 
Yeah, cannibalism is kind of... I always had it down as a lifestyle choice, really, yeah. rather than... It's an alternative to veganism, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it's the next step. <laughs> How do you know when you met a cannibal? Because they'll tell you within the first 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a brilliant... Sorry, I don't know if you've... Uh, there's, a, there's a band called Ball, Ball Boy, Scottish band. They're only a, quite a, a very small band, an Edinburgh band. Yeah. Um, and they do a song about cannibalism. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. And it's, and it's got, um, it's basically about two lover, two lovers and they, uh, the song is about that. They won't eat each other because <laughs> they love each other, but because they love each other, they know that they would taste better than anyone else kind of thing. It's See, brilliant. That Check sounds, that, that sounds like. Uh, something that sort of uh, Lambert Umberto Lindsay would make, or something, you know, a Fulci movie would definitely have yeah. a moment like that in it. You could just imagine that, the dialogue: "I love you, but I can't eat you. But you'll taste so good." Now, professionally yeah. speaking, uh, professionally speaking, professionally, a king would not <laughs> taste as good as you. Yes, but yeah, you should check it out. The band's called Ball Boy. Um, oh, I'm gonna definitely. I've written that down. Yeah. Yeah, now, it's, it's a really good tune. One of the scenes that really shocked me in this uh, was the angle grinder scene. Mm. Where they, they've they escaped in the ambulance. They've sort of ditched the ambulance now and they're in this car. That, you know, you've got John Saxon. You've got, uh, you, so you've got Norman, Helen, uh, Tom and Charlie. Uh, and they're, they're sort of, they've killed the, uh, the mechanic. So they're looking around for, for something to do to sort of uh, escape in. And then Charlie, you know, Grobokowski decides that he's going to use the angle grinder to cut his victim, kill, you know, cut the mechanic up. And then yeah. did you notice what he was carrying when they left the garage? No, no, I didn't actually. He had a white bag with the mechanic in him. <laughs> so he chopped the mechanic up to take as a bit of a road trip snack. Which that is awesome. You know, I've never seen that anywhere else. But he has. He's got this giant bag of it's so mechanic. Yeah, you know. We don't know. When, we don't know when we're going to eat again. No, and then again, the you know the world's worst biker gang show up, um, and we're treated to a bit of uh, Saxon's uh, martial arts skills. Yeah. In a little still bit of a dust, he still got it. You know. Still a touch of roper there. He's ripped up in this film, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy a right cross for no, him. No, I mean, he's always he been in pumped. good shape. He is buff. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, his fashion sense is not. Um, it's like he sort of crossed himself between sort of Chuck Norris and uh, one of the cast of The Big Bang Theory with his, like, <laughs> with, his with his giant polo necks and chat plaid shirts. Now, this is this ended up on the video's nasty list. Yeah, it did, uh, and I think I think it shot itself in the foot with the title. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now there are some films where you do where you look at them and you go, "Yeah, that 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 certainly that 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 you can see why." That ended up on there, you know. You you got your cannibal yeah. Holocaust, you got your cannibal Ferox, 
yeah. you know the, that you, you can see why you may disagree with it um but you can see why at that time there would be that kind of stance taken towards it i don't yeah. think this is one of those films um that deserved that treatment no uh, um no go on i just think because um one of the big differences with this with the two that you just mentioned is these people are infected with something yes so it's not kind of it's not so much choice violence on human on human if you get what you know if you get what i mean it's kind of yes they're, they're compelled by the by the infection yes and also the where it is quite where it is graphic and gory it's not a patch on those no 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 i mean don't get me wrong you do get the classic sort of uh nipple being bitten off yeah which, um, is... which is fairly brutal you've get you yeah. you get the mechanic was being chopped up with an uh, with an angle grinder um you get somebody who's been shot with a shotgun with a hole blown through the middle of them so that the yeah. camera can pan through in a very cool shot i must say yeah yeah um, Credit where it's due. But I think it was the barbecued rat um, yes. that possibly tipped it over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, which is, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible that. Um, it, but banning the film when it's, you know, you could cut, many of the versions have that cut out. Yes. Anyway. Yes. And, um, it's kind of like, there's nothing more shocking in this than, say, Dawn of the Dead. No, no, I mean, absolutely it, not. No, if absolutely. you think about the scene where they tear the um, Hell's Angel apart and pull out his intestines, yes, um, there's, there's kind of it's kind of on par. Yeah, I think so. With that, and I mean, there's the impossible tongue bite. Yes, which is just kind of silly. Cause yes. Because it's impossible. I mean, how much of his tongue did he have in her mouth? He might have been Gene Simmons. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, but the violence in this film is very, and again, it goes back to that idea that it's very sort of comic booky, cartoony violence. Mm. Um, and yeah, you do go, oh, ah, but. At no point do you think, oh, fucking steady on now. This is this is crossing this is crossing a line. This is really crossing a line. Yeah, um, I don't think so. And this, you know, the, but we the reason why we know it's a real uh, flamethrower. Uh, I don't know people people who are listening to this may not have seen it. Um, is that there is a scene where the person operating the flamethrower char grills a bunch of rats. Um, and I, I imagine that was completely by accident. Because, as I said earlier, controlling a flamethrower, not the easiest thing to do. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, but they're clearly on set. They think, oh, fuck it, we got a toy. Let's play with it. Oh, it's real. Um, 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 yeah. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, and I mean, but actually, you know, that, 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 that aside, um, the sewer scenes in this during the escape are really well done. I think, I think it's it's done. Each it's one of those um, it's one of those films that 
has really good scenes, like so, and the but it's the piecing together of the scenes where it falls down. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, you've, and the the sewer scene is is great, and then you've got the whole uh, mental hospital escape bit. Um, it really ramps up. It really kind of starts off with the attack on the nurse. Yes, and then it just kind of escalates from there, doesn't it? It kind of goes yeah. on and on and on and on until they escape. The bit where they're escaping is great, like you say, with the you know, the mechanic and getting the car yeah. and ditching the ambulance and all that and all that. But there's the there's a relationship with his wife, there's the wife's relationship with the doctor. Yes. Um there's the police I mean actually the police scene when the policeman turns. That's really good. And, uh, it's a really, yeah. really well done moment. And the really chief, well done moment. The chief, the uh, double ad bastard that is the yeah, chief, yeah. doesn't even blink or hesitate for a second. Yeah. He's just like he he's turned bang bang bang. And he's he stopped, yeah, he doesn't just like shoot him once, mind you. He makes sure he shot him. <laughs> I only see if I'm gonna unload. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no half measures, you bet. You're no, having it, no. son. But but yeah. Go on, go on, go on. Yeah, it's that sort of like this, you know, it has all the hallmarks of a great Italian horror. You've yeah. got the creepy kids. You've got the great soundtrack that is just completely misplaced at times. Um, you've got bonkers performances. Um, it looks, again, the film, despite its low budget, looks great. Yeah, it really does. It looks great. It's got um, very questionable moments in it that you think, oh, that's really unnecessary. Um, But, you know, and like editing-wise, you kind of go, oh, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit, that's that's jumped a little bit. Yeah. But all, you know, you piece it all together and actually what you've got is you've got a really, really out there sort of dreamlike um sort of broken narrative b movie um that's got you know the 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 gore that you'd expect from something with cannibal attached to it but equally you've got some really interesting moments in it yeah definitely and and it's not over the top as well it's part of like the the mechanic but Yes, we, we didn't see the killing of a mechanic. No, no, not at all. So, you, so you kind of replace because they were going to do the leg cutting scene. They probably replace the leg cutting scene with the killing scene. So it's not like you don't see a long drawn out process. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of it, it's controlled in a way. Yeah, and I think Margaretti is clever enough as a director to know that that would probably be too much for an audience to see. Yeah. Um, because it's all very well and good. You're going to see somebody being cut up with an angle grinder, which you do, yeah. uh, to the bone, which is like, ugh. <laughs> but um, the, um, the he knows well enough that if they show them killing, that sustained period of sort of, tension and horror it wouldn't have the same impact 
Yeah. There's yeah, a, there's, a, there's enough lull between the moments for this to sort of for the gore and everything else to have to have effect if that makes sense. Yeah, no it does absolutely. Because it, it's it's quite a strange thing when you're talking about a cannibal movie with restraint. Um Yeah. But I think Margaretti doesn't and I think he's able to hang on to the film enough to keep it you know keep it from falling apart. Yeah. Because I just mean, about. Yeah, just about. I mean, you know, you know, you look at his you you look at Margaretti's films and like he's got some amazing ones in there. I think one of my favorites uh is Mr. Hercules versus Karate. Um <laughs> I just love I just think that's an amazing title. And I mean he was responsible for um is it your um, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. You're the hunter from the future. Um you know, he he did um he did what a great film called Jungle Raiders, which is like an Indiana Jones ripoff. Nice. Um, Love a ripoff. And it's a proper ripoff. It's really, really good. Um it's not because it's terrible, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes any kind of sense. But he's like sort of he's got enough about him to be able to sort of keep it together. Um and I and that's one of the things that I do love about this, you know. Um but also the ending. The ending to it yeah. is quite bittersweet. Yeah. You know, you've got Saxon who is clearly, you know, complete oh, he's almost lost his mind, isn't he? But yeah. enough to sort of be able to know that, you know, he can't he's not gonna kill his wife. He's yeah. not going to kill his wife. He's not going to eat her. Um, however, Dr. Mendez, on the other hand. Yeah. I look, there's that scene as well where they, uh, another one like of um, knowing that they've got the virus because it's a telling little exchange, isn't there? Yeah. Between the two. Yeah. It's like, oh, virus, virus. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But you know, you're, you're right. The ending is, um, the ending is unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and then you get the double whammy of the really creepy children um, killing their aunt and putting her in the fridge. To eat for later. To keep her for later. <laughs> and they're watching the police out the window. It's got that sort of like dun-dun-dun kind of feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, it's... Um... Oh, go on. No, no, I was going to, no, I was going to, just going to say this. This is a sort of like almost like um, you've got the sort of you know they've got the downer of the ending. It's that idea that it's sort of like um, it's not it's over, or is it? You yeah, know, it, which is which I love. I do love that in an ending for a film. Yeah, yeah, and it's got the um, just before you get to the ending when you've got the big. Uh, biker fight, I just remembered that you've got a bit of Italian eyeball action, haven't you? Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I can't believe I forgot about that, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's clearly his nod to Fulci. It wouldn't yeah. be, you know, everybody, you know, there has to be that sort of, that, that moment, doesn't it? Where everybody... Oh, finger in the eye. Yeah, where they've all got to try and outdo each other for how long they can just leave the camera uh, on before they sort of, but Fulci mastered that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think you know. I think he 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 was able to really sort of uh, milk that for everything it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we you know obviously you saw this for the first time, what are your yeah. lasting impressions of this one? Um, 
I think it's it's difficult to sum up. Um, there's some part of, part of the problem is what is what is John what is John Saxon's thoughts and feelings while he's doing this because it's when he turns and he takes out the the doctor who's about to phone for help. Yes, uh, and there's that's the shot holds him. Sent a camera and he's got a little bit of blood on yes. his lip, and it's so Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, and it's just you know it really sends you back to that, you know the you know the history of horror and it's a really just a great image. It just the way that it's shot and everything is is so reminiscent of that era mm. of horror. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of a it's a quandary of thought. What is Saxon doing in in, <laughs> in this movie? It's just like what what does he want the audience to take from it? It's such a strange performance. Yeah. Um. But this whole I, I have to say that I, I can't remember. I think I said this to you off mic. But it's like these. When I watch these old Italian films, a lot of them I'm watching for the first time. I start off thinking, "What am I doing?" <laughs> you know, I, I I could be watching something you know truly wonderful instead. But then I get a bit further in, and I I, I get hooked. Yeah, and they and they build and they build and they, and they always seem to get better as they go. They yeah. always seem to start off a bit. A bit crap. Yeah. Um, but I ended up with this, liking it for what it is, and really appreciating the journey it went on, like the sewer ending. Yeah. Like the, well, sewer climax. Yeah. Is great. But I couldn't help thinking afterwards, and I still think it now, with the with the premise and and what they had available. There's a bigger film here than what we actually got. So if you think about, it, you've got a contagious virus. Yeah. You've got police that have been bitter, and you've got medics that have been bitter. Yeah. And then you think of a film like Nightmare City, <laughs> where all which is you know similar vein. We're talking. We're still talking yeah. Italian cinema. Yeah. But but all hell breaks loose. Yes. Or you think about like zombie flesh eaters. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. You know, you know that shit's just gone bad. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and this kind of this seemed too small. It contained. They, they, yeah, absolutely. So they contained it in within the the people that we saw on screen. This, there doesn't seem to be any kind of ramifications for everything that happens it's kind of like a straight story beginning yes. to end well it, all, know we get the end. it all takes place in 24 hours yeah yeah absolutely and we get the kids at the end yeah but i just i i i felt like it was too small for how good it ended up feeling and uh you know the whole final chase and everything when the police you've got police everywhere it, it's Started to feel like bigger budget than it was. Yes, it, it was. It felt like it was building. Yeah, absolutely. And there was, and I, 
and it feels like there's so much more that could come from it. So I don't think I'll definitely watch it. I've watched it a couple of times now. Yeah. And I'll definitely watch it again in the future. But I think whenever I watch it, I'll always be left with that feeling that there was more to do. Yes. And oh, it, it, yeah. Is there more there that we never, you know, that we don't know about, that we'd never see? Or was it just so constrained by its budget that they, they had to contain it? Um, but yeah, I think that that's it. And then I think more more films should use shotguns. Yeah. Because the, <laughs> the use of shotguns in this film throughout, from like beginning to end, it's just like there's, there's somebody who works in in the arms part of this production that I just think shotguns are the... It's the way to go. <laughs> the granddaddy the way... of all weapons. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love just... is, did you notice that the actually the props used in the beginning all make their way, have another appearance throughout the film? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. got to get value for money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the flamethrower guy is there, you know, several of the, of the you know, the, the same shotgun keeps appearing and reappearing in different. Yeah. <laughs> you the yeah, I think, yeah. I, th- I think, just think, it's a really good film. It's a definite keeper. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I just wonder, like, so what, how many times would you have seen this before? I've seen Before we it, decided to do it. Like... Um, I've seen it once before this. Um, okay. And I watched it on uh, VHS. Um, nice. It was a bootleg. Um, and I remember sort of thinking, this is a really cool film. Um, but like, I'd sort of totally forgotten about it. Um, and I remember like, the one thing I'd always remember about it is like John Saxon being in it and John Saxon being John Saxon. Do you know what I mean? He nah, was just like, yeah. you know, just the coolest, he just, just being cool. And then sort of remembering like some of the sort of the gory bits um, like the shotguns, you know, like with uh, Bukowski getting just having his entire stomach shot out. Um, yeah. But I'd forgotten about a lot of it. Um, but it's it, it's one that I think you know I may even stretch out and buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I, may... I was thinking because I I watched this on DVD that I borrowed off a mate, and um, it looks great. So yeah. I wonder, like on DVD, it must. It must look fantastic, and there's some there's some excellent filmmaking going on here. Um, I, I made a couple of, like a couple of notes, but one thing that I loved was when the uh, flamethrower professional yeah. enters the, <laughs> enters the sewer. Yeah, um, they film his reflection in the water. Yes, yeah, and it looks it looks brilliant. I mean, amateur filmmakers. You know, have a look at that scene because it just looks fantastic. He's, you know, he's, he's fully dressed from head to toe in, in you know, army fatigue, green army fatigues. He's gas masked up, got his helmet on. So he looks kind of apocalyptic, doesn't he? Yeah, in yeah, oh, absolutely. Kind of yeah. And then filmed in the water as he, as he enters the sewer, just looks, you know, looks cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fernando Arribas was the um, was the cinematographer on this, uh, you know. And again, talking, you know, this is a you know having to work with multiple cameras and multiple setups um, is you know is no mean feat. Um, yeah. 
you know, and we're not talking about digital. We, you know, this is shot on film. So, yeah. you know, the, the the one thing you get with Italian horror, yes, you get weird performances, strange, yeah. misogynistic dialogue that makes no sense. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm just uh, coughing. It's a normal cough. Don't panic, people. Um, <laughs> strange, misogynistic, sort of at times racial slurs that you just think, why is that in there? Um, you get scenes that are like edited bizarrely, music that pops up. But there is one thing that comes up is that the look of some of these films are incredible. And yeah. there is something that you can always sort of, you know, you, when you look at like the sort of the issues that some of these films have, it's almost like they're done out of naivety. There's no malice there. There is yeah. like this sort of like sort of almost this sort of miscommunication in language somewhere where we get this, get these moments where we go, oh, okay, I'm don't, not particularly comfortable with that, but I'm going to keep going with it. But we get these, you know, we get those shots, whether you said like the reflection in the water, we get the, that, that, that sort of framing of um, John Saxon reaching down to sort of, you know, that, that's, it's, which is yeah. a great shot with somebody, you know, and we get these, you know, we get these, we get these moments in these films that, that, that pull you through. Um, you know, you look at anything of, with, with Fulci um, and people have, you know, people sort of, have attacked his films and what have you, but there is something about those films that draws you back to them. And it and and nine times out of ten, they look very very cool. Yeah, yeah. I think there is there's a feel to them, isn't there? There's yes. A, they, I think we've all grown up with Hollywood. Yes. And Hollywood is has a formula, um, and. There's nothing bad about it. They're constantly pushing the envelope and we get great new directors and cinematographers and producers popping up and everything like that. But to step back in time and see these films that, you know, you've got to, you've got to go and get these films. They're not going to, they're not going to pop up on your telly or, you know, they're not going to be in your Netflix top 10. No, they're not. You've got to go and get it. So you've got to listen to the community and, you know, people, like-minded people, and then you go and search these films out. And there's a reason that, you know, decades on, people are saying, oh, you really need to watch X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah, there is, you know, yeah. You know, if we were sort of... If we were just proliferated, you know, there is a proliferation of comic book movies and mainstream movies and Fast and the Furious 20 part 252 um, but there's these films like Cannibal Apocalypse like Nightmare City, like The Beyond um, like uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters like Zombie Holocaust they all, they're out there and there's a reason why people go back to them you know, yeah. they're not perfect they have significant issues about them <laughs> But there is something about those films that draws you in. And like you said, you start off watching them and you think, what the fuck am I watching? And then... Yeah, absolutely. You, by the time it's finished, you're like, that was amazing. Yeah. That was yeah, incredible. You're left, you're left knowing that you've seen something 
unique. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's always this sort of like... I, when you watch like Italian horror, there is always that sort of... You feel like the filmmakers are just enjoying the process of making a film. Yeah. Yeah, I'll pick up on that. There, and I think... Yeah. The, I think there's a freedom to try things. Yes. But I think there's a, but there's a budget constraint. Yeah. So you try it and it's in. Yeah. So you, you don't go back. You don't, you know, you don't get to the end of the day and you're reviewing your day's film and you're like, well, that, that day was a, a complete washout. Let's do it again tomorrow. You know, you're not Stanley Kubrick. You're not getting people walking through a door 53 times. No. No. To get the right shot. This is, you know, I want to try filming this shot in the reflection of the water. Yeah. And, you know. It's done. It's done. It's committed to film. That's it. You use it. Yeah. And it works or it, or it doesn't. Yeah. And, and when the fact it works. That, you know, nobody buys a permit. Everybody <laughs> just shows up on the street and goes, right, we're filming. Yep. There yeah, we go. And you well, can see people on the street going, well, why is he putting the camera? Are you. You know, there's not a paid extra in any of these films. These are just random people who've just been caught on camera. You know, it is just, there is a childlike innocence to some of these films. Don't get me wrong, there is a really, really dark, nasty streak through through a lot of them. Um, And there are moments, whenever you watch these films, you go, ooh, okay. Ah. Yeah. But you kind of forgive it because there is that childlike innocence to it that we're there, we're making a film... And you want cannibals, right? We're going to give you cannibals. You want zombies, we're going to give you zombies. You want um, a Lovecraftian nightmare dreamscape, we're going to give you that. And I tell you what, yeah, go. On. I, I was just like, but these films are so out there that they are fiction. Yes. And um, you know they're so crazy. Yes. Um, and the other night I watched Black Klansman. Yes. And that truly made me feel more uncomfortable than this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there, there are. We, that's not to say that I don't think films should shouldn't challenge or make you feel uncomfortable. I think it's. I think oh it's, yeah. It's, I think it's absolutely important. But no, you are right. I think I felt more uncomfortable watching uh, Black Landsman and the reality of that of, of the of the of of the world as it is. Not as it was, yeah. as it is. Um, yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the, there are moments in Get Out, which are uh, yeah. just uh, are just so uncomfortable, but because they are so based in a reality. Yeah. Whereas this, as gross as it is, yes, you know, as gory as it is, you know, it's fiction. Yeah. It's oh God, pure... yeah. It's pure, pure fiction, and no matter how gory it gets, in your mind, you know you're anchored to that lack of reality. Yes, yeah, and that, and that, then you can switch and think, I wonder how they did that. That's a really good scene. You know, yeah. how did they make his? How did they make his stomach pop out? You know, what's involved with that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Like American Werewolf in London, when you see the stills from the transformation scene and you see that the floor is like 
four foot below the actual floor of the filming scene and he's underneath it. Yes. You know, etc., etc. And that fiction is kind of escapism. That's where the escapism comes. Yeah. And something like Black Black Clansman Get Out, something like that. It's just like a punch in the face. Yes. Because it's so real and so horrible and you know, shocking that when the when the credits rolled up after watching Black Clansman, I just I just literally just sat there silent for yeah. like a good ten a good ten minutes, just like fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um yeah, it's a it's a a real contrast. Um I think you can drop back into these films and, and yeah, the they're sketchy on their on their morals and yeah. their, you know what have you, but it's just interesting to see. Uh, I mean, I'm really new to the to this kind of these kind of films and stuff. It's only like a few years ago that I started watching any of them. So, yeah. unlike you, I wasn't watching these when I was a young man. Um, so I and I feel I. I had comments like on Twitter and stuff where people like, oh, I so envy you. Yeah. You can now watch this for the first time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, you know, the book, have you seen The Beyond yet? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, oh, I, I, what I wouldn't give to watch The Beyond again for the first time would be <laughs> that I'd be sat there going, what the fuck have I just watched? What the, what was that? What was that? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. This, this makes no sense. Or, um, you know, the City of the Dead. That person's just vomited her stomach up. She's just vomited (laughs) to death. What? What am I watching? This is bonkers. This makes no sense. The first one that I watched that made me actually start, like, Googling Italian cinema from the 70s and 80s and stuff like that was Nightmare City. Oh, you know, I love Hugo Stiglitz in that. He, That's great. He has this like he, he just he almost looks like a homeless person throughout <laughs> the entire film, who they've just sort of haven't really bothered to like clean up too much, and they've yeah. just said, "Look, you your lines. We're going to pay you in sandwiches. Just enjoy yourself. Just go for it. Just go, just go for, for it, man. <laughs> and it's you know, I mean, it again. The budget on that is tiny, but it's huge. It's yeah, a huge so- film. It was it was kind of a mental. I was in um, what's it called the computer exchange, which sells like yeah 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 and yeah. stuff. And uh, I saw the cover for Nightmare City, and it was you know the Arrow one. Yeah, I was like, that looks really cool. And it was like four quid or something. So I thought I'll dro- I'll drop four quid on a Blu-ray. Yeah, and and then watched it, and it was like entering a whole new world. <laughs> After and, you after you've done that, man, you nothing is the same. No, absolutely not. It's like it's like the Matrix, isn't it, with the red and the blue pill? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and and it is when I think that's the that is the joy of Euro horror is the there are it, it challenges. Um. It's repellent. It makes no sense. 
uh, it's clever, um, it's artistic, and you know you can get all of that in one film. Um, yeah. And like when you, and even films which are which are slightly tougher, um, and which sort of you know you you look at sort of Spanish horror. There's a there's a sort of a meaner streak in Spanish horror. Um, yeah. And you look at something like one of my favorite films is Who Could Kill a Child, um, from Spanish. And um, what people tend to sort of kind of miss with that one is actually it's a comment it's a commentary on fascism because when it was made, Spain was still a fascist country. Yeah, and it's a real two fingers up to the establishment. It's quite punk in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, but it's done under the guise of horror, and I think films like Black Klansman um, are really, really important. Are really, yeah. really important, and I think Spike Lee, as a filmmaker, is more important now than ever before. And yeah, absolutely. I think his. His filmmaking voice needs to, you know, he needs to keep making films like Black Cat Klansman because it makes people look at the subject matter and pay attention to it because he is able to tell a story in a very particular way. That, like you said, yeah. you're, you'll sit there and you take it all in. And then after you, 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 you think on it. And like horror in a very, very similar way will make you look at subject matters that you wouldn't think of if they look at look at it in another way. You wouldn't take a story, you know, if you look at like um who could kill a child, you wouldn't look at it and think actually that's a commentary on fascism. Yeah. That idea of a society you as a you reap what you sow. And the filmmakers were sticking their fingers up and pointing out that, you know, as a government, this the, the the government that is in power at this moment in time worked with fascists and are fascists, and because of that, this is yeah, what's happening. Absolutely, I think um, one of the things I think that oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. I'm listening. Are you still there? Yeah. Hello. Oh. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Oh, oh, yeah. Are we back? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I think it, yeah, that was weird. It was just beeping, oddly. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think that's one of the things that's missing from this that I, that I think we get used to with things like. Yeah. Uh, actual. Oh, are yep. you there? I, we're having a, a temp. Yeah, I think we dipped in and out there. Try again. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? I can. I can hear you now. Yeah, rub it up, rub it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think this isn't really a social commentary, is it, this one? No. Where a lot of them, especially Fulci. Yes. Um, it, and George A. Romeo were always trying to tell us something. John Carpenter especially. Yes. Um, I mean, Christ, you look at They Live, it could almost be a fucking documentary up now. You know, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's, that, it's that, you know, and like, even, even some of sort of the you know people you know, you look at like Night of the Living Dead, and the, that film all these years later still is a gut punch at the end. Yeah, it's still a gut punch 
but it makes a very very it, it makes a it makes a really hard um point in a very digestible way yeah. um there is like i think there's um i can't remember his name now there is um there's a sort of a dramatic theorist i can't remember his name but somebody'll probably remind me later on but it's the, it's the idea of if you want to te- and it comes back to this idea of socialist theater is that if you want people to pay attention and you want to get an, a, a difficult idea across you need to make it digestible so you tell a story uh, and you know like planet of the apes is a story about race where you t- well people at that time weren't ready for something like black Klansmen, but planet yeah. of the apes is able to tell that story and get that idea across yeah, that um, makes sense. Uh, you know, Romero's films is you know, Night is you know is 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 all about the struggle. Reg- you know, I I I don't think it was an accident by any way, shape, or form. It's all about the struggle um, of of the civil rights movement. Dawn of the Dead is all about capitalism. Yeah. Day is about the you know the military com you know the military machine, uh, industrial machine that you know. But we're able to digest that because somebody is being digested in front of us. It's that, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, this was the cannibal apocalypse was sold to Saxon uh, by being about uh, a war and PTSD. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, somewhere in there, there is probably a comment. You, you could probably look at it and argue that actually these are men who are totally forgotten about by their country. And this is their reaction to it. Um, yeah. But this is probably one of the one of the f- where it's purely fantasy entertainment driven. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I didn't really pick up any kind of no message. From no, the, the, I don't think there is any kind of like no. <laughs> deeper meaning behind this one. However, the angle, the jaunty angle of Saxon's beret at the beginning, yeah, um, <laughs> can be read in multiple ways. <laughs> So, uh, before we delve into the socio-political theory (laughs) of Cannibal Apocalypse, what are the scores on the doors for this one? Um, I was just thinking back to our last chat, which was Predator 2. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which was was great, a great chat. I think this is a six. Yeah, yeah, I agree Uh, with you on that. But I I feel a bit tough giving it a six because it's it's enjoyable um but i think you've got to i mean there's the whole saxon um element to it yeah um you know rest in peace john um you give us some great movies and memories over the years but i think in all honesty this film is a six definitely most definitely um, I think a mean six. I'll give it. I'll give it a mean six. Yeah, I mean, there is a part of me that would love to sort of go. Do you know what? I'm going to give this a seven, but actually, I couldn't because there are yeah. just you know there are there are things with this where you just go, no, 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 no. And, um, and if you think about if you think about some of the movies that we mentioned that are similar, well, yeah. not similar to this, but from the same. So, uh, Nightmare City, you know, Zombie 2. Yeah. 
etc etc this can't for me this can't be more than a six no 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 look in terms of entertaining this is a very 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 entertaining film um, it's batshit insane batshit insane yeah. um and don't come into this if you are if you are of a delicate sensibility um <laughs> yeah it's gross. Uh, it's gruesome. It's it's gross. It's yeah. Yeah, but it's entertaining. It is really entertaining, yeah. and and I and I enjoyed this. And I, do you know what? I may I am deaf. I'm probably more than likely going to fork out and buy it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I think I think me too. I think it's got to go on the shelf. There's a little Italian section building that I think it'd be a good company yeah. on there. Yeah, and it's always good when you can you can turn around and go well. Have you ever seen uh, Cannibal Apocalypse? You know, John Saxon's cannibal movie, and you like people go, What? Yeah. yeah. What? And they all they say, Oh, do you mean Apocalypse Tomorrow? Yeah. And you go, Ah, <laughs> a kindred spirit. <laughs> <laughs> now, come and look at my yellow trousers. It's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I tell you what, it's been great talking about this one. Um, I've absolutely loved talking about this. This has been great, man. Um, thank you so much for being on again. Um, we keep sort of uh, diving into these rabbit holes, don't we? We're yeah, sort of get together yeah. on this. But no, it's been fab, man. Thank you so I'm just, much. I'm just going to say uh, uh, I enjoyed it. And um, no one's ever bitten me like that before. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. <laughs> no, I loved it. Loved it. Good times, man. Yeah, and uh, you'll be back very, very soon, no doubt. Take it easy, brother. Look forward to it. See you later, mate. Ta-da. Have a good one. Bye-bye. As always, I want to say a big thank you to my very special co-host, Darren. Going to be back with us very, very soon. Um, now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for What the Wookiee Watched. And up first, we have got Trick. From 2019, let's check out the trailer. People want a monster that they can fear. Is he still alive? He isn't. Trig comes back every Halloween. I've never been a believer. But this is just pure evil. Okay, that was the trailer for Trick from 2019. Trick was directed by Patrick Lessier and written by Todd Farmer and Patrick Lessier. 
There we go. Um, uh, it also stars Jamie Kennedy, Omar Epps, Ellen Adair, and the always wonderful Tom Atkins. Um, the story for this one is we have a serial killer who appears to be striking every two years or so. And we have a no-nonsense detective in Omar Epps who is doing everything he possibly can to try and track him down. Um, Gotta be honest with you, I was really disappointed with this one. Um, There are moments in this that are really, really good. It's got some interesting kills. However, it feels like a bit of a mess as well at times. Um, There's a lot of bouncing around camera. Uh, We get sort of this sort of magical uh, killer who is just some incredible free-running martial arts expert with no... It's it's just... just, uh, I just didn't... I wanted to like it. I really, really wanted to like it. Um, But it it just didn't do it for me. Um, It was okay. Um, it was fun, um, but I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't go back and watch it again. Um, and this comes with a bit of a twist to it, uh, which is all a bit contrived and feels a bit tacked on. Just didn't do it for me, unfortunately. Um, and I hate giving bad reviews, and particularly when it's got Tom Atkins in it. And Tom Atkins is a legend, and he's he, again, he is very, very good in this. Um, the cast work incredibly hard, but for me, it just. Just didn't do it for me, unfortunately, and um, I'm going to have to give this one a 5 out of 10. Okay, up next we have got Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1980. Let's check out the trailer. From the beaten path lies a friendly little inn. Girl, you better come get your critter before I chop his head off. Where folks come from miles around. Hold on! It's so sad to be alone. Help me make it through the night. To rest, relax, and make new friends. Honey, down. I'm Tanya. I'm Bill McWilly. Marvin Crenshaw. This is my cousin, Chrissy. Your relative? Cousin. Are you okay, man, Reverend? Sorry. Crenshaw? Evelyn? <laughs> Tell your little wife I'll have a surprise for you. Where no one ever complains. You we got to go to bed after. We have to. No way, Jose. Where people are dying to get a reservation. Hello? Hello? And any moment might be checkout time. I'm getting out of here. Is this any way to run a motel? You bet your life it is. Mountaintop Motel Massacre. Okay, that was the trailer for Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1980. It was directed and written by Jim McCulloch. It stars Bill Thurman, Anna Chapt, Will Mitchell, and Virginia Lordanes. Um, or Laurie Danes, Lordanes, Laurie Danes. Somebody correct me, let me know. Um, anyway, 
So Mountaintop Motel Massacre um, already had me at the title. I remember seeing this in the video store when I was a kid, and it's got that great uh, VHS cover um, with the um, with our killer, all the wide-eyed and sort of bushy head appearing from out behind the door with sort of blood stains behind. It's it's a great cover. It's a great cover, and this film is B movie gold dust. It's silly. It's fun. Um, it clearly doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, it's got a great sort of uh, B movie cast, and they work incredibly hard in this. Um, and whereas our last film does everything it possibly can to try and impress, um, this is nuts and bolts filmmaking and is far more effective. Um, don't get me wrong, um, this is very cheap and cheerful. And the story behind this, we have got um, a mentally unstable uh, elderly woman who has been released uh, recently from a asylum and decides that she is going to slaughter everybody who shows up at her guest house. Um, and what we get, first of all, is sort of she attempts to kill them death by rat, death by snake, all by creeping underneath the cabins that are there, because there's some kind of, like, cave network. Um, we also get great death by sickle. Um, this is a really silly film, and it is glorious. Um, you can get this as part of 88 Films' uh, wonderful uh, slasher collection. Um, it's oh, I just love this film. It's just so silly. It's just so wonderfully silly, and it is just B-movie gold dust, and should be enjoyed and applauded for what it is um and i'm gonna give this seven out of ten okay ladies and gentlemen our time together has drawn to an end thank you so much for listening um it's some trying times ahead of us things don't seem, don't seem to be getting any easier but just you know you know wash your hands wear your mask keep this keep your social distancing going and just be nice to each other be kind to each other because it's tough out there at the moment um so all that is left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are.